There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? All right, everybody stay calm. We've got a podcast episode to land, and by God, we're going to do it and do it right. I want witty comments, solid insights, and clever byplay. The subject is quotes, unquotes, and quotes. Forget every aspect of your life that isn't that. Murgatroyd, get me all the trivia available on the 1980 film Airplane. You got it, Chief. Aristides, I want all the answers to this week's poll questions collated, indexed, and translated into Croatian. On it, boss. G3189, you're on plot summary duty. By your command. Let's move it, people. Literally tens of people are counting on us. This isn't a game. This is Max Mike Movies. And this week, <laughs> we're trying to plumb the darkness of that deep mine shaft of quotes from Abram Zucker and Zucker Airplane. I'm your host, Vice Captain Admiral Lunchbox Max Levine. <laughs> and sitting in the co-pilot's chair, trying to think of a way to explain the mysterious stain on that chair, is my cinematic navigator, Mike Shirley Luce. Room zoom zoom, and I'm not going to do the thing. Aww. <laughs> But before we get into this most harrowing and fascinating of films, we have our poll question that you guys answered a lot of last week. Poll question. We asked, we would like to know, good or bad, what was the dumbest movie you ever saw? And you had thoughts. <laughs> Thinks. AJ Thinkles make wrinkles. Sheems or Shemis? Sheems. Sheems. Napoleon Dynamite. This may be an unpopular opinion, lol, but I just never found it funny or entertaining. Okay, you're not alone. I know other people who felt the same way, including Matt Reisman, who says he agrees wholeheartedly. Oh. Meredith Gilchrist says, A Million Ways to Die in the West. Only movie I ever walked out of. I think Mike would have too, as it's a Seth MacFarlane movie. Mm -hmm. Steve Harvey says, Bros. I assume he means the movie, and he's not just, you know, being nice and saying hi. Hi, Steve. Uh, Hey, bro. <laughs> Steve Kellner said, Megaforce. Oh, wow. <laughs> Embarrassing just to be in the theater. It was so stupid. Ouch. But it has Barry Bostwick and his hair. Yes, it, yes, it had <laughs> lots of his hair. Uh, Bruce Herr Jr. said, House of Yes. I don't think I even know that one. Me either. Adam, which I believe he means our scholar, Adam Mark. Yeah had me watch it with him and with that ending. Hmm. I looked I looked at right at him and said, what the expletive deleted did you just make me watch? <laughs> wow. Huh. Yes, uh, Adam and, and Bruce are, are partners. Husbands, if you will. Tony Kellner says, the Dudley Moore Peter Cook version of The Hound of the Baskervilles. Oh, Lord. Huh? Yeah, they did a Holmes and Watson with Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, which on the surface should have been funny. Mowage. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm funny. Um, Nick Hoffman, not even close. Good morning and goodbye. A Russ Myers catastrophe. Oh, dear. Kind of redundant. <laughs> at the Schlock Around the Clock in 83 at the old Orson Welles. Oh, the oh. old Orson I do not know Good Morning and I, I, I will take your word for it, Nick, especially as it was a Russ Myers movie. Yeah, I went to a schlock later on, and there were some very unheard of, yep. really bad films there. Unheard of for a reason. Yeah, Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS. Still, oh. Yeah, I can't stop picking at that scar. 
Angelo Patsalis says, Tree of Life with Brad Pitt. Oh, I've heard that's bad. I I actually liked it. but I can, Really? T- okay. Yeah, it's an Aronofsky film. It is very um, highbrow, very huh. artsy, but okay. I can totally see why people would not like it. And I think if I remember correctly, it has an ending that definitely is made to have you respond with, huh? <laughs> Adam Mark does not disappoint this week. Yay. Mamma Mia, a film in which a single mother, <laughs> Meryl Streep, paid very handsomely to jump around like an idiot in short overalls. <laughs> Ooh. Wow, that's harsh, but fair. Wait, Meryl <laughs> Streep in short overalls. Yeah, it's it's a sight. Yeah. Who does not know for certain the parentage of her daughter seeks to determine the, that question among three candidates in the most awkward and weird ways possible, inviting them all to come to a magical island at the same time <laughs> for an ongoing dance party where everyone is so euphorically happy that in the real world it would only be achievable with drugs. Wow. Lots of drugs. <laughs> Musical Hilarity <drums>. ensues. <laughs> Actually... We, we all know this is a jukebox musical made to feature the amazing ABBA's portfolio of songs. Huh. So they needed a story that accommodated the twists and turns of the lyrics. You cannot argue with success. The film is wildly popular, you know, and was a Broadway show, yeah. and begat Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> we'll leave that discussion the for another day. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> there can be only one. Waterloo, Waterloo. <laughs> But one can, one cannot say with a straight face that this film makes any sense by itself. It's dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. I'm sorry. One little nitpick, Adam. I bit Bang on. But it is not the mother who tries to find out the identity of her daughter's father. It's the daughter. It's Amanda Seyfried, oh. who is an unbelievably awful character who I assume we're supposed to like. Well, and of course, she gets her comeuppance when she finds out her Dave, her father is, in fact, David Crosby. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Brian Mundo says, just watched Cocaine Bear. Oh, dear. Oh, I'm sorry, Brian. I'm sure that there have been worse that I've blotted from my memory, but this is easily in the top five. Wow. Hey, it made the top five. <laughs> Val, Val Coons, doyen of Q Footsteps. See Q Footsteps. What's a doyen? Uh, uh, basically, female supreme leader. Oh. I'm so many. <laughs> I could be at this all day. I'll give you a couple that I've seen without MST3K or Rift Tracks. Well, that's just masochistic. Science crazed. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, that's my fault. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And Manos, The Hands of Fate. Yes, I really did watch it without riffs. Don't ask me why. But I have why? to. Why? <laughs> <laughs> the Beast from Yucca Flats. Oh, oh yikes. But for Flag sheer... on the moon. How did it get How there? How did it get there? Oh. <laughs> Time for go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> More tour. <laughs> but for sheer dumb, the one that sticks with me, you reviewed it recently, The Core. Yeah. I really don't didn't know dumb could sink that low. Yep. Oh, get it? Argue. Sink that. Let's see what she did oh, there. Oh, see what you did there. Yep. See our entire episode on the, uh, uh, well, the maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe not. don't. <laughs> From Dave. I have already answered, but it occurs to me that Mel Brooks' silent movie was really dumb in its own way. Hmm. Not a real second choice. It was supposed to be a pun. Silent movie was only dumb because nobody spoke except the mime. Yes. That's true. Mar- Marcel Marceau, in one of his only movie roles, is the only one who says anything. He says no, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. 
Dan Schaefer says, Highlander 2, The oh, Quickening. <laughs> and also, Santa Cruz Conquers the Martians. I think it's Santa Claus. Nope, nope, I'm pretty sure it's Santa Cruz. <laughs> I don't see how a Californian city can... It absolutely to... <laughs> could conquer the Martians. Shut up. Hooray for Sol- Santa Cruz. <laughs> see, it works. <laughs> George Saulnier says, Demon Lover. Mm. Art house sex thriller. Oh dear. Utterly confusing, rambling, long, not sexy, stupid, self righteous en- ending. Nearly impossible to sit through. Well, thank you, George. That's one we're going to stay away from. Yep. I appreciate the warning. Matt Reisman sneaks back in like a little creepy mouse, <laughs> saying, Dinner for Schmucks, oh boy, is pretty high on the list. Oh. I couldn't stand it and walked out. But I think the absolute dumbest movie I've ever seen is You Don't Mess with the Zohan. Oh. Oh, boy. Is that a Ben Stiller movie? No, Adam Sandler. You were oh, close. It I was, was awful. close somehow. <laughs> and, yeah, I saw, it was awful, and the person I saw it with said she could feel her IQ being lowered while watching it. I believe the word sucked. <laughs> Your IQ Pete was Kri- sucked. Pete Krychek says, Kung Pao, enter the fist. I walked out. Oh, God. I'd forgotten about that one. I don't remember That's that. That's so awful. Is it? Yes. It's causing Max and, abdominal pain. Ah, oh, how, <laughs> how it hurts. Uh, and from the great frozen tundras in the north, as he rides the mighty walrus to hunt the vicious penguin. Meow. I don't know much about the north. Uh, <laughs> Vince. Vince. Is that, that's the sound penguins make? Uh, yeah, the oh. vicious furred cat penguins of oh, okay. <laughs> Quebec. Oh, <laughs> okay. Some might disagree, but Prometheus was beautiful looking but dumb from the start and got so much worse. I don't hear any sounds of disagreement. No, except from James Cameron. James Cameron! Cameron! The entire movie was groaning throughout. I I found it insulting to watch. Mm. At one particular reveal near the (laughs) end, everyone around me was confused because it was something they assumed was going to happen from almost the start of the film. I think I know what he means. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that was Mike, a big, dumb movie in a little tiny diaper. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that was 10 <laughs> pounds of dumb in a five-pound can. <laughs> so, but, Mike, what is your dumbest movie? I've got three, because I have three flavors of dumb. Okay. First, there's fun dumb. Like, yeah. okay, this is dumb, but I still enjoy it. And we're going, yes, you probably know where I'm going. We're going back to Hudson Hawk. Okay. Hudson Hawk is stupid. Don't get me wrong. I will but never- it is fun. I, I think it is. I love the, oh my God, we don't actually have a script. You guys go off and do something. We'll figure it out later <laughs> feeling of that film. Hey, Mr. Hawk, here's your stamps. There's a forgettable dumb. And this was a film I had up until this very moment forgotten. It was a film called Health. And it came out oh, sometime what? in, I think, the late 70s, early 80s. And the only reason I saw it was because a friend of the family was apparently an extra in it. And as it oh. turned out, got cut from it. So it oh, wasn't even in ouch. It. Insult and to injury. It's just, I've never otherwise sat at a theater watching a comedy and not laughed at all before. But that film, just dumb. And then there's King Dumb, if you will. <sighs> See our previous episode on Moonfall, because I do not know uh, of a film as aggressively stupid uh, and as expensively stupid as that film. That film yep, takes yep. science out back, pees on its lunch, and knees it in the balls. <laughs> that is a fair assessment. <laughs> but you, Max, what, yeah. what is your favorite dumb... Well, I only, 
Now, it is a, it's hard to choose because, let's face it, you and I, we watch a lot of dumb movies. Yes, we do. We watch more dumb movies than I think the average person. Should. Possibly the average five people. <laughs> but if I had to just pick one, the one that just leaves to mind is Sharknado 2. <laughs> Particularly Wheaton? Not, Eaton. Eaton. <laughs> With, with, with riff tracks, it's very funny. <laughs> yes. But Sharknado 1, at least it was this ridiculous idea, and they focus on that. Sharknado 2, it's just like we're going to cram in all the stupid stuff we can possibly think of. We're going to have cameos by uh, the loosest possible definition of the word celebrity you can imagine. Well, I can't remember. Is it one or two that's got Robbie Wrist in it of all people? I think it's. I think two. it was one. Which is the was one with Rob- the school bus on the over one. That's, that's okay. one. That yeah. is the loosest definition because yeah. for one thing, good luck recognizing him, and yeah, two, knowing who he is. Well, all you have to do is say cousin Oliver, and you yeah. suddenly know who he is. <laughs> yeah, but two has you know, Billy Ray Cyrus, downtown Julie Brown, Ugh. and in a rather awkwardly timed cameo, Jared from Subway. Oops. <laughs> yeah, whoopsie doodle. Yeah. Anyway, that's the one for me. But thank you, guys. Those were terrific answers. <laughs> yes. Those were just excellent. But, of course, we're putting you back to work with our next poll question. We are. This week we've got like an Abram Zucker and Zucker movie, and these guys often are considered a comedy dream team. I want to know, we want to know, what is your favorite cinematic dream team? What team of actors, writers, directors, whatever, any combination thereof, do you love to see? Do you just really think work well together? Ooh. Yeah. And we'll tell you how to answer that at the end of the show, because it's top secret, and then we will have to kill you. So like, or actually, we'll just kill Bumpy. So like Ed Wood and Tor Johnson, that kind of exactly, thing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Magic. You know, <laughs> bad, yeah, you know, or Jay and Silent Bob. or Sure. You know, or, yeah, or, or Scorsese and De Niro, anything, yeah. yeah. Uh, before we get to this, I would like to address something uh, I didn't from last it. week's show. It, you absolutely did. I've got 10 witnesses and videotape. Oh, um, okay. Whatever videotape is. <laughs> uh, Adam Mark, our scholar, uh, made a point about last week's show oh. about Dumb and Dumber. Hmm. It says, I felt you two were overly harsh. This film is not my favorite, but it felt fresh and irreverent at the time it was released. It's really a guy's movie. I don't love it, but think it has a place in enduring cinema. This film absolutely wouldn't work if Carrie and Daniels didn't sell it, and they absolutely own their parts. Well, Adam, I want to thank you for your feedback, and you're wrong! (laughs) Now, now. No, no, I'm kidding. No, we actually really do appreciate that. Yeah. We may have, I don't know, maybe we did. Maybe we judged it too harshly. I... I thought about that. Actually, I want, I, I want to thank Adam as well because it's basically um, viewer mail, and it's yeah. nice. We got it viewer is. mail. It only yes. took two hundred and thirty-seven episodes. Now, yes, we get comments, but this, yeah, and that's fine. We want people to feel that they can quote unquote call us to task if necessary. But here's one thing: I, you know, I will lean on our side. It's our show. <laughs> and well, and I'm not trying to say, well, you're wrong, but I'm trying to no, say is, this is it's our opinion. This and is our opinion. Us, you don't... That's how the film feels. And, you know, I did want to take extra time to find people who liked the film. And that's why we quoted both Mike Dans and Rebecca Smiley at the end of last yep. week's show. That being said, I appreciate it just because sometimes we might want to take a, another look at something and go, you know, let's look at the, the through these eyes. So yeah. yeah, thanks Adam for giving us that opportunity. And thanks Maybe for we'll go back it. and look at it again. And also it means he listened to the episode. So thank you. Adam. 
person. We have a listener. Not that uh, Vincent, Val, and Dave, and all those other yes. people occasionally don't listen to the show yes. too. But yep, Adam literally handfuls us. of people. And also to be we, fair, Adam writes great poll question answers. Oh yeah, like he does. I think he does research, and if he doesn't and just knows this stuff, even yeah, well better. Written. Well written too. Very yeah. very scholarly, very thought out, but not not pompous or pretentious. No. Very impressive. Keep yes, give us more, Adam. We're never satisfied. We're not. But let us move on to the facts. The budget for this, three point five million dollars. Mm. Worldwide gross. Eighty-three million. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, no, no wonder there was a sequel. Although Abram Zucker and Zucker had nothing to do with it. No, but Johnny did. <laughs> yes, he did, <laughs> with a different character name. He became, he became Jacobs. Ah, uh, because uh, I don't know. Okay. Abram Zucker and Zucker have only worked together as a trio, all three of them, on a total of six movies: <laughs> Kentucky Fried Movie, Airplane. Well, this is technically a TV show. Police Squad, and only on the pilot episode. Top Secret, Ruthless People, and The Naked Gun, the you know, from the files of Police Squad. I did not know they did Ruthless People. They did. Huh. This, is, this is quite possibly the stupidest person on the face of the earth. Think we should shoot him? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bill Pullman. Pull, yeah, but he, he nailed that he part. He did. Zaz, you know, Zucker Abrams and Zucker, chose actors like Robert Stack, Lloyd Bridges, Peter Graves, and Leslie Nielsen because of their reputation for playing no-nonsense character. Characters until this film, these actors hadn't done comedy. None of them had, so their straight arrow personas and line delivery made the satire in the movie all the more poignant and funny. Lloyd Bridges didn't want to do it, but his sons talked him into it. That's what? right, Jeff and Bo talked Bo. him into it. Yeah, you know why? No, their lungs were aching for. That's air. right. Of course, <laughs> they were aching. Well, Dad, Dad, we know your lungs are aching for air. You should. <laughs> Yes, Lloyd Bridges, Sea Hunt, look it up. Sure. It's now, the only, there's a, I don't know him from anything else, and I've never even seen Sea Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember from a Saturday Night Live sketch back in the late 70s, early 80s of Quienes Mas Macho, uh, Lloyd Bridges or, or Kirk Douglas. Well, I know light bulb or pineapple, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot a lot of trivia about this movie, so I've tried to get mostly the really obscure stuff that I didn't know about. Cool. First off, that budget, $3.5 million. Yeah. The first two days of the film's gross covered the whole production budget. Dang. Yeah, they made back their money in two days. To get the film greenlit by Paramount, Abram Zucker and Zucker had to pitch it as National Lampoon's Animal House on a Plane. Huh? Which, of course, it isn't. No. But it's the only way they could get the execs to understand it was a zany comedy. Oh. Hmm. Because apparently the words zany comedy don't work. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Weird. Uh, the famous scene near the beginning where the Boeing 747 crashes through the large windows inside the terminal, uh, the producer, John Davison, Davison, not Davidson, uh, yeah, mentions that after the movie, he got all these letters from real airline pilots saying, you know, I came really close to doing that exact thing in real life. <laughs> In fact, some admitting they had come so close to, as to touch the nose of their plane to the glass. Oops. <laughs> Yikes. Something I did not know. This film is 
They had a specific subject for the parody of this film. Yes, they did. It's a movie, a 1957 movie called Zero Hour. Yep. Which has a main character named Ted Stryker. Yep. And has the line, although it's not meant to be funny, we have to find someone who can not only fly this plane, but who didn't have fish for dinner. (laughs) Have you seen it? I have never seen it. I have. My yes. sister brought this to my attention because she did found it somehow. I think it's uh, black and white, isn't it? It is black and white, and it is Canadian. The only person I'd ever heard of that was in it was Dana Andrews, and the only reason I've heard of Dana Andrews <laughs> is from the song from uh, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it skills. Is, yeah, it is... Um, let's say hauntingly <laughs> familiar. <laughs> like, its entire yeah. plot is airplane like it's not a spoof it is what if we took this movie and made fun of this movie now that being said i recommend looking it up because it cost about five (laughs) dollars and on its own is actually pretty funny because they're so earnest and it's not very good okay but check out the three directors had a long battle with the directors guild of america over this movie the dga initially would not allow a three-director credit. (laughs) Yeah, that'll change. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, I love this. Jim Abrams legally changed his name to Abrams and Zuckers (laughs) in order to issue the credit so that all three of them were in the credits. The Guild eventually allowed the three-director credit. I hope he changed his name back. (laughs) Jim Abrams and Zuckers? (laughs) Yep. Jim Abrams and Zuckers. That was... That's uh, good jam. <laughs> Lloyd Bridges, whose lungs were aching for air, had a lot of questions trying to understand his character, his motivation, his dialogue. <laughs> and Robert Stack pointed out that the visual gags were so frequent and nonsensical that no one was going to care. The actual quote was, Lloyd, we are the joke. <laughs> He's right. We'll get now, to them. In one of Ted Stryker's flashbacks, he points out that, uh, I think it's Lieutenant Hurwitz thinks he's Ethel Merman. <laughs> That is Ethel Merman. That was her last film before her death in 84. Aww. She could only be on set after noon because it took all morning to set her hair. Of course. Otto, the automatic pilot introduced in this movie, <laughs> ultimately disintegrated after spending several years in Jerry Zucker's garage. Aww. In the scene where Johnny and with Johnny and McCroskey, Steve Stucker and uh, uh, Lloyd Bridges, McCroskey says, "Get me someone who won't crack under pressure." Johnny responds, "How about Mister Rogers?" If you watch his mouth, I had noticed this, but I just thought it was a looping error. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying Mister Rogers. Oh. Because the film was shot in August of... It was originally going to be How About Mamie Eisenhower, the former first lady. Okay. But this was shot in 1979, and Mamie Eisenhower died in November of 79, and they thought it would be disrespectful to the first lady and her family, so they dubbed in Mr. Rogers. Well, of course, if you can't get Mamie Eisenhower, of course you're going to (laughs) go right to Mr. Rogers. Well, he's not going to crack under pressure. That guy could take anything. I... Otherwise, I don't see a connection, but that's fine. Yeah. The Mustang used in the scene where Rex is being brought to the airport actually belonged to Robert Hayes. Oh. He got paid $35 a day for its use, and they used it for two days. So that was another 70 smackaroos he made. <laughs> in an interview shortly after the death of Peter Graves, alumnus of the University of Minnesota, <laughs> the kid who played Joey, 
who was you know, no longer a kid, Rossi Harris, said that Graves was really uncomfortable when the two were on set together. Graves was really uncomfortable with the whole implying that his character was into as a child molester. <laughs> you know, with the whole, you know, you like movies? You ever seen a grown man naked? Wait, I, I didn't get that. That was really, must have been really subtle when right oh, over yeah, my Oh, yeah, very, very <laughs> subtle. Yeah, and Graves ha- avoided all contact with him when they weren't filming. Aw. He also pointed out that Car- when that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was not acting when he erupted and grabbed Joey after his relentless criticisms after about his basketball performance. Harris said Kareem grabbed him really hard and the fearful expression on his face is real. <laughs> you know, he thought this seven-foot titan was going to kill him. Well, the part also where you said Kareem wasn't acting. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The directors were friends with David Letterman. Oh. They asked him to audition for the part of Ted Stryker. Oh. Would that not have been amazing? You know. <laughs> they, they liked his reading. Letterman was really un- was visibly uncomfortable with the idea of acting formally and was actually relieved that they didn't offer him the part. You know, uh, I can actually see that. Yeah. But on the other hand, I also kind of, like, I wish they would release the audition tape if there is one. I would love to see that. <laughs> yep. The I could see him reading his line, whatever it was, looking nervous, and then tr- looking off to the side and just saying, you know, <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, yeah. you can't say pants in the movie. <laughs> They're just grabbing his uh, lapels and doing that tie wiggle thing. <laughs> Uh, the bulk of the film was shot at Culver Studios, ah. and uh, the directors recalled that back then the people running the soundstage didn't want money. They wanted drugs. Oh. If you gave them drugs, you could use their studio for whatever you wanted. <laughs> okay. The singing nun, who provides a guitar and also <laughs> does the version... Huh? I did not yeah. recognize her. Yeah. That's Maureen McGovern, <laughs> our our friend from Disaster Porn, who sings. The, you know, she sang the theme song for, or or she wrote. Yeah, she sang the theme song for the morning after from Poseidon Adventure, and we made Lever Love Like This Again from the Towering Inferno. Also, the theme song to the sitcom Angie, which I'm sure we'll all you all remember, because Robert Hayes was co-starring in it. Yes. Hmm. Robert Stack, who was 61 at, at the time of this filming, did all his own stunts in the fight scene in the airport ticket area. And you can tell, and he's really yep. good at it. He's rolling over guys' backs. He's flipping people. He's awesome. <laughs> the only real tension between the filmmakers and the, the current, the then head of Paramount, Michael Eisner. Hi, oh. Mike. Uh-oh. Two key parts of the original filming plan. One, the movie was supposed to take place on board a small prop plane instead of a Boeing 707. Huh? And it was supposed to be in black and white. Oh, well. Eisner told ZAZ that he respected their views, but the movie would not be greenlit unless it was set on board a larger aircraft and filmed in color. He gave them a weekend to think it over, and on that Monday the filmmakers agreed. You know, I don't generally like it when the bigwigs, like, interpose their own feelings and thoughts artistically when they often don't have any. But I got to go with Eisner on this one. Yeah. The argument between the two PA voiceovers about an abortion (laughs) comes directly from a cheap, a quote, cheap dime store novel. According to the trivia track of the DVD, the novel is actually Arthur Haley's book, Airport, which inspired the movie 
I can't remember the name. Oh, it's Air something. Oh, Air I something. hate that. Air Getting Jordan? old is dumb. Air, yeah, whatever. Yeah, airport. Air sick. Uh, Haley also wrote the film Zero Hour, by the oh. way. <laughs> yep. Oh. <laughs> yeah, also, I don't know if you, did you find anything about the voices? Uh, the, yes, I'm coming okay. to that. The argument between the red and white zone uh, voices, uh, these are the same voice artists who actually made the real world announcement at LAX airport. At the real airport, if you're interested, the white zone is for loading and unloading of passengers only, and there is no stopping in the red zone except for transit buses. The red Those zone two is people- for loading and unloading passengers, and it always has been. It's the white zone. Don't give me that white zone crap. (laughs) We'll get to that too. In real life, they're also married. Aww. (laughs) Isn't that cute? Yes. The song Stayin' Alive, which is used in a flashback, was sped up by 10% for the dance scene. They had to get the the Bee Gees permission to do that. Sure. You know, uh, I don't like to do a lot of those. Oh, do you know who else was offered this part or that part? Mm. Except, of course, for the David Letterman. You know who was offered the role of Dr. Rumack, which went to Leslie Nielsen? Vincent Price. Oh. And he said it was the returning down that role was the biggest regret of his career. You know, and I'm glad he did. As much as I like Vincent Price. I don't know if that would have worked. No. Peter Graves only agreed to do this movie because his wife loved the script. He didn't understand why they wanted him for the role and instead suggested they cast some, you know, funny people. <laughs> and I'm Peter Graves, and I'm going to fly this plane all the way to Minnesota. I'm Peter Graves. <laughs> Craig Berenson, who plays everyone's favorite character, Paul Carey. Uh, He's the guy who picks up Rex Kramer and gets mauled by his golden retriever. Uh, he went on to be a film producer. His most successful film... Snakes on a plane. I see. <laughs> yes. There is a ton of other stuff, but I, I think we'll stop there. Yeah. You, you have to tell us the plot, because that's yes. real important. <laughs> mm-hmm. In this very, very serious story about the dangers of air travel, <laughs> we find former The War pilot Ted Stryker following the love of his life, Elaine, onto a transcontinental flight trying to win her back. But Elaine has had enough of Ted's blandness. I mean, his wallowing in his past tragedies. Jeez, Ted, it's just some post-traumatic stress disorder triggered by a war. Get over it, you load. But fate decides to kick them all in the plums. It turns out the in-flight meal is making a number of passengers dangerously sick. Worse yet, the pilots and the navigator are all disabled by the food poisoning. Airplane food making you sick? Man, this is basically science fiction. Can Ted step up and fly the plane, aided by assorted towers of screen masculinity, from Peter Graves to Robert Stack? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And I'm sorry I called you Shirley. The film. Ah, Max. Ah, memories. So did you see this when it came out in the theater? You know, it's it was so long ago. I... Pretty sure. Let's see. What in 1980? I'm yeah. pretty sure I did. I'm. Yeah, I think I did. Here's something. I, before we even get to the whether we liked it or not part at the time, do you remember how big a phenomenon this film was? Yeah, everybody was quoting it. It was. I've, it was everywhere. A very fledgling People magazine 
had TV commercials back then. So A, a magazine had a Kevin commercials. And I specifically remember them doing the double eye, uh, sunglasses joke <laughs> during the commercial. In oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. So it was, yeah, I'm sure it showed up on Saturday Night Live. People were quoting it all over the place, which sort of leaps ahead. But it yep. was huge. And it, it turned Leslie Nielsen into a com comic actor. And you know what? Good. Yeah, he does a great job. For years, he'd been acting for a long time. Mm -hmm. He tended to do cowboys, and he tended to do bad guys. And he was always very serious. He was usually the heavy. Well, and he was the star of one of my favorite ever science fiction films, Forbidden Planet, Sierra. Ah, uh, yep, yep. Forbidden Planet. That's right. And he is, it was, it was 1955. Okay, so that was 25 years before this. He did show up in at least one episode of Columbo, and he was a lawyer. He was a serious actor and stuff. And the funny thing is that there is a slight difference of Leslie Nielsen just being serious and Leslie Nielsen being serious in this. And it's just enough that it adds this little spice of personality, and it really works. Now, the same thing is not necessarily true for the other actors and it works beautifully as well. Do, do we yeah. want to do actors? Yeah, let's do actors. I want to do actors. I, ooh, well, ooh. I mean, let's do some... I'm, look, Robert Hayes is fine. Sure. He is... I remember... Do you remember that he was in a series based on the movie Starman? No. Yes. They did a science fiction series. I don't think it made it, made it an entire season where he's supposed to be an alien. Okay. And it's like, wow, you did a great job of teaching Alien to look like the most generic human being possible. He does have that sort of Sunday circular handsomeness, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's he's adequate. He, do, he does. He's right for the part. He really is. Yeah. And I, I like Julie Haggerty. Really? I do, because it's odd. She's <laughs> She's terrible. Yeah, but she's supposed to be in a lot of ways. She's so... She's doing, in effect, a parody of the entire type of character. It's also an interesting choice because she's, let's face it, not the most traditionally good-looking of the of the women in the movie. She's very seventies good-looking. She is very. And she's she sort of has that Lorraine Newman edge to her. <laughs> yeah, in in the very same sense of please get this woman a sandwich. Yeah, I, I had a try. I could. I never did figure out if I thought she's terrible or she's terrible on purpose. But she is not, so, this movie is not something that would make me want to hire her for something else. Let me put it that way. I think she did a great job as both being a straight woman and still throwing off a few lines here and there. It is a thankless job, isn't it? It is. To it really is. Almost the only straight person in the entire, <laughs> I think the other one was Joey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Leslie Nielsen, we were just saying. Yeah. I mean, he proved that, I, I, I have to wonder if the Zaz team after this film didn't just say, we need to do something else with him. Oh yeah. And, and they that's did where police squad came from <laughs> yep, and hot yep. shots and all that stuff. And not hot shots. Um, no. What is the, what top, was, huh? Top secret. Top, no, it wasn't. He wasn't was, in that. Oh no, they did. They did um, police squad movies. That's what I yes. was thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Naked gun movies. Yeah. Lloyd Bridges starts Lloyd off Bridges so is having, earnest, but he's ha he looks like he's having so much fun well, as he gets crazier and crazier until he's hanging upside down. <laughs> and, and one of the great lines that everyone quotes, I mean, it's that whole series. It looks like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking yeah. and drinking, then taking, taking amphetamines and sniffing glue. <laughs> 
Uh, Peter Graves. You know, Hello, I'm sorry I'm that Peter Graves. We have to do that because we just yes. Do. I'm sorry that he felt uncomfortable because he's freaking hilarious. He is. If you've ever seen Peter Graves, Peter Graves has spent his career, a lot of his earlier career with Roger Corman, just saying. Uh, And he is dead serious through all those films. And quite honestly, it's the reason those films work at all if they do. He usually plays a scientist. And he is dead earnest through all of them. You get to Mission Impossible. Doesn't have a huge role as Mr. Phelps, but he is dead serious. And the reason he works in this is he's dead serious. And he's got, there's timing to his lines though. Joey, you ever hang around the gymnasium? (laughs) (laughs) Or even at the beginning, one of the opening sight gags is when he's on the phone with the Mayo Clinic and there are jars of mayonnaise behind the doctor. (laughs) Yeah. And he gets that great, that line, I forgot this line when he gets a, uh, I'm sorry, Captain, over... Uh, there's Mr. Ham. Uh, was it Mr. Ham is on line five? He goes, "All right, give me ham on five. Hold the mayo." Yeah, and, and he, he delivers it so straight, and yeah. there isn't a, a, a hint of a chuckle in it, and it makes the line really work. But I think my favorite of them all is Robert Stack. Really? Okay. He is just so laser focused on being <laughs> Rogers Robert Stack. Yeah. And the part that he's doing the fight scenes, and you can tell it's him because there's no cutaway, and we're still close up, and he's beating still up on all face. the all the religious fanatics at the airport, which we've all wanted to do at some. Yeah, point. that that is a thing our younger viewers may not may not know about. Yeah, back up until I don't know what was it the nineties or so, like a, a lot of uh, religious orders were allowed to. Well, Hang there's out. no other way. Panhandle <laughs> yeah. in the airports and hit you up for donations and try to sell you flowers or granola bars, or whatever the Hare Krishna used to try to sell you. Watchtower, isn't it? Uh, no, they would try to give you like these little food bars or oh, something, and then ugh. and then yeah, I wouldn't touch them. <laughs> Is there any Kool Aid in them? <laughs> God knows what's in them, but uh, you know. They were, and they were a lot of them, and sometimes most of the time they were religion, but sometimes like Lyndon Larouche people were out there, or or Lash and, Larue, and suddenly or... they all vanished. And I have been so grateful because, as you said, the sequence where he's walking through the airport and they're coming up and he's just beating the living snot out of them. <laughs> I was watching that the first time I saw it. And I said, "Oh my God, they know my secret dream." <laughs> Everyone who ever had to deal with that on some level probably wanted to do exactly that. I love that sequence. And Robert Stack, quite honestly, I don't know if the man knows how to smile. I don't know if he's ever had an emotion. I think he would break something. Yeah. I mean, he is Stackbot 3000, really. Yep. Every every role I've seen him in is like, come on, Rico, Johnny, Youngblood. Yeah. And like, move your jaw as little as possible. Don't change expressions. Don't make eye contact. And maybe Stackbot will leave you alone. <laughs> the only person I can think of if they could have gotten, I think he was dead by this point, that would have maybe surprised me more if they'd been able to get him is Sergeant Joe Friday himself. If they'd been oh, able to get wow. Jack they, Webb to Jack do Webb this. Jack Webb would have been a great addition. But man, Robert Stack, to me, he's just so... Huh himself and it works so well that he's my of the four big the four horsemen of dullness <laughs> robert stack is my favorite of the four and uh, to see them all do comedy and r- honestly really sell it was surprising and delightful yeah yeah definitely i'd say my favorite is leslie nielsen but i definitely understand about stack uh we have auto <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we yeah. started Otto, his the career as a gag. blow up love doll. I'm yep. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
There are, you, you forget mm. sometimes, how, we talk about this movie as a quotable movie, but there are an awful lot of sight gags in this. There are. S- some of which are just in the Mayo Clinic when the heart is bouncing around. I died. I yeah. absolutely died, Spurting even this time. blood. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I did. We have a couple of other actresses or actors I would like to uh, bring in just real quick because sure. they have small parts. There's a whole lot of other people in here, but the two I want to point out are Barbara Billingsley. Oh, yes. Who has this wonderful scene that we're going to talk about the racism in a second. Well, we're going to have to, but yes. But she comes in and she speaks jive, which I'm not even sure is a thing anymore. I speak jive, yes, and starts talking to these two two black gentlemen who who speak jive so heavily and quickly that they get subtitles. Yes, which is good because I wouldn't have been able to figure it out. That was the that was the point actually. The two actors who did it, they they most of that jive was ad libbed, and they made they did it intentionally hard to understand. Mm. Well, good. Uh, the other one, and this is a blink, if and you would miss this person. Her name is Joyce Boulafont. She actually played Murray Slaughter's wife on the Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, show. that's right. She's the mother of the little girl. Uh, who who is who, who, she was actually the nephew or sorry the nephew the, the niece, niece of Captain, of Captain Stubing. Stubing yes yes I um, cannot remember she by the way does great physical comedy in that sequence <laughs> where the the stewardess who is that's her singing by the way you mean the the uh, nun oh no that's no, right the stewardess nope. right yeah 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 no yes, Julie the nun is yep no no not oh, no, Julie Haggerty it was uh, the Lorna character's Patterson. name is Randy Lorna Patterson yeah. And when she knocks her IV out with two, by swinging the guitar too enthusiastically, and she the, the contortions she's going through and the facial expressions yeah. are so perfect. I also just love Lorna Patterson walking down the aisle with the guitar, banging it into the heads of everybody on the aisle. Because yeah. it's such a throwaway, but it's such a real experience on an airplane. There are so many. And Ugh. I said we'd get back to him, and I want to... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. As yeah. I said, you can see him reading cue cards over Joey's head. You really can. You can watch his eyes suddenly shift position. And it's he's terrible, honestly. Yeah. And it's funny where we have all these people who are serious and can sell comedy. And he is the one sore thumb of the acting Troop. I I like the idea, the fact that he is a real athlete. I like the and idea. <laughs> I also like the idea that you have this poor guy who's seven feet tall trying to fold himself into an airplane cockpit. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea that the execution was. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, again, watching you <laughs> look off screen all the time was like <laughs> you're supposed to look at Joey. Look at Joey. Okay. But that's it for the cast. So yeah, surprising. And I'm sure at the time, I, I I honestly don't remember my reaction at the time, but I'm sure the reaction at the time was, wow, these guys can do comedy. I did not see that coming. Yep, yep. So. I think that's true of themselves, too. Probably. They, they, they didn't think so, yeah. Um, what about the plot? <laughs> oh, the plot's irrelevant. It's They're on a plane and something goes wrong. That's the plot. Well, I think there's actually a little bit more to it because, well, let's face it, this is a spoof. Yeah. It is a spoof of a particular film. But as we went through our little series on um, destroying the Earth, this is a sort of culmination of all of those disaster porn films of the 70s, which were very popular. True. And it's sort of like a... I don't know, a dotting the I, crossing the T, an end it, cap. It's kind of a fin. Yeah. A little... A little coda on on the disaster movies. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, clearly it's also, I mean, we know it's made, the parody was for Zero Hour, 
But you know it also was heavily influenced by the however many airport movies there were. Airport, Airport 75, Airport 77, and I can't remember the last one that had the yeah. Concorde in it. That was Airport 77. Was it? it? Okay. Maybe that was enough. Maybe there was only three. Yeah, maybe. It just seemed like there were more. Or TV shows like San Francisco International. <laughs> <laughs> or SST Death Flight. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I, uh, no, it's true that there there is other stuff there. I mean, there's the whole backstory with uh, Ted and Elaine that's told yeah, through goofy flashbacks. Yeah. Do you want to so, get to that now? Yeah. Let's let's do that. So speaking of those flashbacks yes. and the jive. Uh, yes, there is a lot of offensive humor in here. Yeah. And well, and there's not a. I would say there's not a lot. But there's two. Oh, there's a fair amount. Well, besides those two. All right, so let's get to this part first because yeah. we're not going to dance around it. So the jive is one thing. Do you think on its own, and I don't know, the jive is racist? I don't know. It's more cultural than uh, racial, but uh, sure, it's a little ra- It is racist. I'm sure it is. The problem is it's still funny. Yeah. You have to remember things that are offensive can still be funny. Right, and I think in this case, it's literally just, hey, these two people are speaking a slang that not many people understand. Who's the least likely person to speak Who's the whitest person we can get? Mrs. Mrs. June Cleaver, that's who. Mrs. Cleaver, yep. And so that's where I'm like, I don't know. If somebody wants to come back and say, yeah, that's actually horrendously racist, let me know. I can't tell on that particular part, but the part where they go to Africa... Ah, uh, yes, and it turns out all of the natives are good at basketball. Yeah. That's... And they're doing, yeah, that, that's a bit much. It's also, it's not that funny. Even no. then it wasn't that funny. But there's a lot of other uh, racist stuff. I mean, uh, do you have any, I'd like something to read. Do you have anything light? How about this pamphlet, Famous Jewish Sports Legends? <laughs> Lots of racist. That's or, true. Oh, <laughs> hey! <laughs> or Air Israel, please clear the runway. Uh, and, it, you know... <laughs> It's a plane done up like a Hasid. Yeah. It ha- they put a beard on a plane. I want to know how much that cost. Because yeah, that is yeah. like the most expensive, yeah, dumb visual I thought, joke I just ever. assumed it was a model, but. <laughs> I'm not that sure. A, I mean, or when, you know, would you like some cream for your coffee? No, I take it black, like my men. But is that racist? No, but it's still offensive. I guess. There's, there's a fair amount of offensive humor in there. Even the the signs the uh, airplane safety signs, you know, no smoking. No, what is it? El Noah, you smoko. <laughs> or, you know, please return to your seats. Go back and sit down. <laughs> I couldn't even tell which language they're trying to make fun of because we it should be Spanish, but it sounds like Italian. So, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I, yeah. Uh, racist humor is a very touchy thing because a lot of it got by good sense and good taste in the 70s, 80s, and sadly some of it still occasionally sneaks in here. And we don't need black characters just shown being from Africa and natives and that kind of thing. And honestly, if you cut that scene out of the film, it wouldn't have changed a thing. Oh, the Africa, yeah, yeah, true. The P- That whole Peace Corps thing, they could have in fact just cut to that last bit mm-hmm. of where she's saying, I don't want to stay here, and you know, and you, we wouldn't have lost anything. Yeah, because when they go to the the bar that's supposedly in, I think it's on the Barbary Coast or something, yeah. the people that are frequenting the bar honestly look like the people who probably owned that Culver City studio <laughs> or slept up it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I don't, the, the African stuff made me cringe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm still not sure because I'm a white guy. I don't know. I don't know if the jive thing is offensive or not. There's also the, the bit of where 
the people sitting next to Ted Stryker become more and more uh, <laughs> cultural stereotypes. You have the Japanese soldier. Did you recognize him? That is James Hong. Yes, we love you, James. Of course, a Chinese guy playing a Japanese soldier. Because yeah. hell, what's the difference? And then he's sitting next to a guy, you know, in full Punjab uh, Indian gear, who's about to set himself on fire. Yeah, because that's funny. But the old lady who eventually somehow hangs herself is actually pretty funny. She is, and she, I know her from something, and I couldn't. She's been in everything. Yeah. She she played the she played little old lady in a ton of them. Yeah. So yeah, the warning: if you haven't seen this, there is some humor that is. It racist. doesn't age well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, so we can say it's a product of its time and whatever, but I'm not going to excuse it if it offends. The people that it's making fun of, then that's enough. That's all that counts. Uh, that being said, there are people in here also that you will miss. Jimmy Walker, if you blink, yep. you will not realize yep. that he is the one wiping the engine me. and checking the oil and playing car wash in the background. Yep. Yeah. There are sight gags. If David Leisure is in this. Oh, right. Yes. But he's one of the Hare Krishnas. <laughs> Joe is Suzu. Joe is Suzu. And if you yeah. don't know Joe is Suzu, you know what? Go to YouTube and look those up because those yeah. ads were actually pretty funny. Some of them were. Yeah. Uh, and the Hare Krishnas, I have no problem making fun of them. Uh, <laughs> which is <laughs> no. bad of me, but too bad. Yeah. There are a, the humor in this film, I will say, is uneven. That When I say that, there are some visual gags that really are kind of dumb and are <laughs> not most of them. And there are gags in there that you're like, I never thought I would see anybody actually do that. There is a point I'll have to beep this when somebody says, yeah, it's when the shit hits the fan. And the next shot yeah. is somebody <laughs> literally has... <laughs> that. And you know what? It's funny. <laughs> and there are moments where you just go, wait, what? When McCluskey is, you know, giving one of his little speeches and out of nowhere, a spear Hits the wall next to him. Yeah. There's no reason. And then a watermelon falls from the ceiling and splatters <laughs> on a desk. Yep. It has, it's connected to nothing, but it's hilarious. Yeah. Stuff like that. And it might be at this point that they are throwing things at the wall and seeing what's sticking. And I would say Literally. most of it does, but occasionally some of it's just like, <laughs> well, just statistically, <laughs> they throw so many gags in. Some of them just don't work. Yeah. Which is understandable. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, it is a short film. It's only like just under an it's hour and a half. It's less. Than, yeah. And it's paced well. I will say that. It is well paced. It so moves that if along. There's, if there's a joke that doesn't work for you, you wait a minute, there probably will be one. Some yep. that are very uncomfortable. So, Joey, you <laughs> like to watch gladiator movies? Yeah, you ever seen a grown man <laughs> naked? <Yeah. laughs> um, do we want to get to that part? Sure. Quote, so... Did you have oh any qu Lord. quotes oh that God. you liked for this? Now, how many do you have? Because we don't. I, I don't. I've had like forty, so I, we can't read them all. Tell you what, why don't you pick pick ten? Okay. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Followed up with later, and all stop right. calling me Shirley. I have that one. My the one that always made me break up completely was it's an entirely different kind of flying altogether. And then the two in unison, it's an entirely different kind of flying. I, and, of course, the fog's getting thicker, and Leon's getting larger. I love that because, like, the watermelon and the spear, it makes no sense at all. Nowhere. It's out of Johnny. nowhere. Out of nowhere. Yep. <laughs> Johnny, who is... Eddie M, Uncle Henry, Toto, it's a twister. <laughs> I also, even Robert Stacks, you know what it's like to fall in the mud and get kicked in the head with an iron boot? 
Of course you don't. No one does. It doesn't happen. It's a dumb question, Ted. Skip that one. <laughs> there, there are so the whole the whole jive sequence. I'm sorry, just the the subtitles. Yeah. In there, uh, ham, I told you the ham on five. You know, and of course we have Clarence. Clarence, Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? <laughs> of course, the ever seen a grown man naked? You like movies about gladiators? That whole that whole building sequence. And have you ever been to a Turkish prison? Doesn't it? <laughs> I, which, by the way, when they show that movie in Turkey, they they change it to Have you ever been in a Greek prison? Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. When can we land? I can't tell. You can tell me. I'm a doctor. <laughs> Can you take a guess? Not for another couple of hours. You can't take a guess for another couple of hours. And of course, the running one, a hospital. What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. <laughs> I think I'm past 10 now. Yeah. What about you? So uh, some of which you've done. Uh, this one I'm going to have to beep as well. Listen, Betty, don't start with your white zone <laughs> again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I haven't felt this awful since we saw that Ronald Reagan movie. <laughs> Followed by, I haven't been this sick since the Anita Bryant concert. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, the a whole thing about look uh, looks like I picked the wrong week to stop doing various things. This one I don't remember, and I'm like, this is a great quote. Flying a plane is a lot like riding a bicycle. Oh. It's just a lot harder to put baseball cards <laughs> in the spokes. Yep. <laughs> I can make a hat or brooch or a pterodactyl. <laughs> I guess the foot's on the other hand now. <laughs> me, John, big tree. Again, no idea. Yep. And Johnny's last favorite one for me. The tower, the tower, Rapunzel, Rapunzel. Rapunzel. <laughs> so, yeah, and some of these we've been, the whole Shirley thing has been, yep. I, I know there's people that quote that and don't even know Haven't why. even seen the movie, yep. Yeah. So there are tons and tons of quotes, so that will lead to our silly question, which is, is this movie a quote? Oh, movie? God, yes. This movie is nothing but quotes. Yeah. And it's Absolutely. Over people 40 years old. It is, and people who've never even seen it still quote it. Yeah. So if you like a film with quotes, this is certainly one of them. Yes. Any other notes you wanted to get to, like the uncontrollable flatulence, which was one of my favorite <laughs> that, parts? <laughs> that's, that's a great one. When Peter Graves is acting out the symptoms, yeah. I think that's hilarious because he, yeah. he, he does it really, really well. The other thing I, look, I wanted to look up because I never knew this is that, that uh, gag where Ted is thinking in his head and his voice is echoing. And now, pinch hitting for the <laughs> for Pedro Borbon, Manny Mota. First of all, Pedro Borbon played for the California Angels, and Manny Mota was known in baseball as one of the most proficient pinch hitters in history. Oh. And apparently, Pedro Borbon saw this movie and loved that he got referenced. His son says he never stopped talking about that. <laughs> He'd bring it up at the smallest provocation. He loved it. Just like last night's dinner. Yep. Yeah, the only thing I do want to point out is uh, we should give a big hand to the folks doing the special effects because they were so good. I mean, you, you can't quite see the thread, but you can feel it's there. Yeah, the other thing that yeah. I never noticed is when they show the plane, the jet plane, it's making propeller plane noises. Yes, that's a running audio gag. Yep. Yeah. But I guess we should get to the point where we, oh, find yeah. out we loved it when we were young, Yep. but now it might be a whole other story. Yes, now that we are old and grumpy. The finish. So, Max. Yes, old and grumpy. <laughs> old old and, and bumpy? What? <laughs> uh, what do you... Now, have, have you seen Airplane? I've actually sat and watched it yes. many times since 1980. Uh, I don't know about many. I've seen pieces of it, but I've sat and watched it at least four or five times. Okay. 
So it's 1980, so it's very dated. It, it feels is. very 70s. Some of that humor may not play today. Some of the acting, you know, again, we're yeah. coming at it from having seen it when it came out. Watching it again, critically, yeah. how does it hold up? I think it still works. I think there's parts that don't. I mean, does anyone remember when there were smoking sections on planes? Fondly? <laughs> no. Yeah. That's something I don't miss at all. No. But... Yeah, I think it still holds up. I think a lot of the quotes still work. I think you can still make people laugh. Even if the Shirley one is obvious, people still snicker at it. Mm -hmm. I think it holds up very well. I think it's still funny. What about you? Have you did you see it uh, multiple times? I think it is again one of those films that's been on in the background. Have I sat and watched it since 1980? I don't know that I have. But it's also one of those films that was such a phenomenon that you knew it even if you didn't see it. So it sort of like kept reinforcing its place in my memory by just popping up here and there over the decades. But I don't think I've actually sat and watched the whole thing beginning to end since it came out. Or oh. if I have, it was a long time ago. Okay. And let's face it, Abram Zucker and Zucker humor doesn't appeal to everybody. No. It is an obvious humor. Occasionally it's a dumb humor. It's pretty lowbrow. It's I can't believe you actually did that humor. That being said, oh, that and to be fair, there's a couple of bits which really date the movie. The opening of the yeah. film is riffing on Jaws, which itself was five years previous to that. And it's like you're yeah. still doing Jaws stuff, which also shows you how big Jaws was. And Saturday Night Fever, it's like you're still doing that. Okay. And that those two parts, if you don't know those films, the music from Jaws and the plane uh, fins are supposed to be the shark fins. I don't know if you'll even get it. How many people don't know Jaws, even if they haven't seen the movie? There's no way for me to know because it's yeah. so much a part of our having grown up and seen it. That even yeah, if true. They so people who are younger than us by half or more, I don't know. Yeah. But whenever you do dated humor like that, it can be a problem because it instantly it's also risky. dates your film. Yeah. That being said, it's early on in the film. We get to the scene with the heart pumping up and down and literally jumping over the desk. And I, I lost it. And there are other, yeah. because of the acting, and I'm going to say mostly because of the four horsemen in this case, <laughs> I really felt this film worked. It was funny. Yeah. It's a spoof. It is not deep. It is not, what's the word? It's not satire in that it's really taking a hard there, look at no something. There's no message to this film. No. not. And if you've seen Zero Hour, you could easily go, well, this is just a ripoff of that. And it's not. Because those two things, well, you, you can't have Airplane without Zero Hour. And Zero Hour is funny because it's terrible. But this film really does something with that that the original film doesn't. And as lowbrow as it is, I think it's still funny. And the quotes I've been using just as long as you have, they still make me laugh even though I know them. Not all of them. Yep. I would remove the parts of the film that don't need to be there, that like the, the scenes in Africa are just like, we don't need this. Uh, the reference to From Here to Eternity, good luck explaining that one to people. Yeah. That film came out in the 50s. It's pretty well known. It's a pretty iconic scene, but it's true. If you aren't a film buff, you're probably not going to get it. Although, hell, they use the same thing in Shrek or Did Shrek they? 2. Shrek 2. Yeah. Yep. I will say this. If you're curious, watch this. If you like it, you have got a journey to take because Kentucky Fried Movie, a movie made for about 10 bucks, <laughs> and also doesn't always work. Same kind yeah. of humor. Yep. The Naked Gun series, uh, the Hot Shot 
Well, that's top, what top secret. Top secret. Yeah. There's a bunch of Abram Zucker and Zucker. And I don't know what eventually happened. I guess they sort of ran out their welcome. Although I did not know that Ruthless People was them. And I thought Ruthless People was hilarious. You've got a nice chunk of film and TV history to go through that you'll like. So yeah. by all means, give it a try. It's easily streamable. I'm not going to say where. But yeah. <laughs> but that being Absolutely. said. We uh, still have that poll question people are dying yes, to remember because we we're old and grumpy, like you said, and yep. we don't remember things. Yep, yep. And that is, what is your favorite cinematic dream team? What team of actors, writers, directors, whatever, and any combination thereof, mix and match, do you just love to see? You just think, oh, wow, I got to see that. It's another one of their works. And you can answer this question by emailing us at us at maxmikemovies.com. Or you can go to our website, maxmikemovies.line. Com. <laughs> yes, <laughs> com. And leave us com. A com. <laughs> and leave us a comment. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find us on one, the only social media platform left in the world, Facebook. Mm. Shut up. That's the only one that exists as far as we're concerned. La, 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 la. Uh, oh, and of course, you can find us on the podcast app of anybody's choice. We're everywhere. But we are not done with our quotes, unquotes, and quotes series. Nope. Because there's another movie coming up. There What's is. it going to be? Mike. Well, I have to ask you a question first. Oh, there's no, no math, right? Well, there are numbers in it. Oh. So I just have to ask before we announce the movie. Okay. Can I have 10,000 marbles, please? <laughs> No. No, you cannot. <laughs> oh, well, I guess we're just going to have to watch Animal House instead. Oh, no. We're going to Delta House. Woo! <laughs> Animal House. Seven years of college down the drain. <laughs> Is uh, Animal House. Uh, it's probably the best known film with Donald Sutherland in it. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Who needs Oscar winners like Clute? Yeah. Yeah. But is that... Or Moonfall. Uh, oh, <laughs> ow. Kill you. Kill you. No, is Animal House a quotable film? And does it hold up? Because... That's a big question. There's a lot of... Um, there's, there's a few SNL people in this film, and it's very crude. It is also 70s. Uh, and um, maybe those quotes really aren't as quotable as we remember them being. Because how many people go around saying... Can I have 10,000 marbles, please? You do. Oh. Daily. If you want to be with us next week when I say, can I have 10,000 marbles, please? <laughs> By all means, tune back in, won't you? This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.